morning, we're continuing along the lines of our first series. I've been doing this now for four weeks. And I've been sharing with you about getting God's vision for your life and even seeking the Lord in, in, in a personal relationship. And this morning, we're going to talk about generous living. That's my title, if you will. It's technically first part four, but the subtitle would be generous living. And, uh, you know, it's hard to talk about keeping God first without talking about your money. Everybody smile at me. And say, you're going to talk about my money this morning. Now, some of you already got a frown. Now, let me ask you this. We're doing a marriage conference here in a couple weeks with Jimmy Evans. We're simulcasting, right? Why would I do that? Because I believe God wants you to have a blessed marriage. Why would I stand up here and declare that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed? Why wouldn't I just keep that back as a secret? I don't want you to know that. You just stay sick and sickly. That would make me a bad pastor, would it not? Would it make me a bad pastor if you were depressed and oppressed of the enemy in here this morning? I told you, oh, God can't free you. I would be a bad pastor. Why? Because the Bible declares truths about all those things. That God says, no, I will heal you. I will deliver you. I want you to have a strong, healthy marriage. And so I don't feel guilty for, for saying any of those things, right? But yet when it comes to money, the devil likes to say, oh, you don't want to touch that. Why? Because your money reveals your heart. That's the bottom line. Your money reveals your heart. And yet the Bible talks about it a lot. And, and you know, and so I told Dara this morning as we were driving to church, uh, I said, man, I never just take like a whole service to teach on tithes and offerings. Never. I mean, this is the first since I've been here. This is the first time that I've ever taken an entire service. And just so you know, I was actually going to let you give towards the doors on your way out this morning because I was going to tell you about it at the end. And I said, no, I don't want anybody to be accusing me that I'm just after your money. So we're going to take that up and we're going to get that handled before I ever say a word about this. That way you can leave and there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Look, it's no different than healing. I can tell you that Jesus wants to heal you, but until you're receptive to believe it and trust in it, you can leave here not healed. Well, the same is true when we're talking about our finances. But my responsibility is to preach the whole, all of the counsel of God. Not just the parts we like. And the truth is, if we would really understand some of the principles... Because look, I'm only scratching the surface. I mean, I'm like taking a little fingernail off the top. Just a little something. It's just a little. But I want to share some things with you concerning this. Because I can tell you, as a believer, there are a few things that have really revolutionized my life. Number one, getting saved. That's first and foremost. The second most important thing, really, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Getting filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, that was a a game changer for me. Why? Because I could do things I was never able to do in my own strength. So that was a big deal. But the third thing is really in the area of giving and being generous. Why? Because the first two really have to do a lot with eternity and even making me profitable for the kingdom. But my money deals with my here and the now. You know, and, and so there's things that we can look at. And, uh, you know, and I've shared and I've mentioned this a few times, but I'm going to take some time to kind of unpack this this morning. Is that throughout Scripture, we see throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, that there's a principle that has a direct connection to how much of the blessings of God that we will experience in our lives. There's a direct connection with this principle between what we do and what we experience. 
And if you want to experience the blessings of God, here's the principle that you're going to have to learn. And not just learn it, you're actually going to have to live this. How many of you know tithing is not dropping money in a bucket? Tithing is a lifestyle. It's not law, it's life. There's a big difference. But it's the principle of first. I've shared this and I've mentioned, hence the, the title first. We're talking about this whole month. We've been talking about keeping God first in every area of your life, right? Yes. Has anybody been listening? Maybe you need to go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> go listen to them again. Why? Because, you know, uh, I believe it's in Deuteronomy if I remember. Wait, is Deuteronomy or Exodus? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I think it's Deuteronomy 34. You can check me and I may be wrong. But he says that I'm a jealous God and I'll have no other God before me. In other words, I won't be second place. If I'm not first, I just step back. Well, we kind of don't want to miss that, do we? In any area of our life. I mean, it's a big deal. Because God says, hey, I'm not going to be second fiddle to anybody. And why? Because he's God. He's almighty. He's deserving more than worthy of that place in our life. And so, you know, this principle of first, and there's really three different ways that we see this. And some of what we're going to, a decent portion of what we're going to look at this morning is from the Old Testament. And I'm going to touch on that because you're like, well, I'm redeemed from the Old Testament. Well, the problem is the tithe predates and postdates the Old Covenant. It was around since the garden. And we see it all the way into even the book of Hebrews, into Revelation. So, you can do with that what you will, but it's throughout Scripture. And, uh, you know, but, so, and, and really it comes out of, well, there's several verses I'm going to share with you. But here in Exodus 13, verse 2, it says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born, both human and animal, belongs to me. God says, The first is mine. He didn't say, it's yours to give me. He says, no, it belongs to me. That first part belongs to him. It's not up for debate. Let me say it this way. Anything that God requires of us, he now owns. I know that's a heavy statement if you catch it. Anything that he asks, he now owns in our life. And that doesn't matter if it's your time. It doesn't matter if it's your money. It doesn't matter even if it's your natural resources. If God requires something of you, it now belongs to him. Why? Because we are stewards, the Bible says, of the many graces of God. My money is not my money. It's God's money. And so I have to steward or manage that money well. And here it says that we're to dedicate the firstborn among the Israelites. The firstborn or the offspring to be born, both human and animal, belongs to me. Verse 12 says this. this, I'm trying to, you can go back and read this in time, but for the sake of time, I'm trying to cut some of this down. In verse 12, it says that you must present all firstborn sons and the firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to Him. It says a firstborn donkey may be uh, bought back to the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat, goat in its place. It says, if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. I know that's strong language. Well, what's he talking about? Well, let me just give you, and I'm just going to throw this out there and then you can go look at it. Jesus was God's tithe. Why? Because we, because if you look at this, a donkey was an unclean animal, okay? A lamb, uh, you know, those were considered pure. Well, what was Jesus? The Bible says about him, he was the lamb slain before. So what happened? And it says here, you have to redeem the firstborn. Well, how do you do that? With, with a perfect sacrifice. Well, we were unclean, and God sent a perfect sacrifice in our place. 
Let me say this. God sowed Jesus before we ever accepted him. It was an act of faith, if you will, on his part to send Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice in hopes that we would respond. Jesus is the ultimate example of the tithe. So when we give our money, we're not just giving money. We're not just honoring the Lord with our substance. It's a representation of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, That's scriptural. Now here's some things about what the Bible talks about. Because people say, you know, and like I said, if, if we were talking about marriage this morning, you wouldn't even be like anxious right now. Because, well, I'm I'm trying to help you have a better marriage. If we were talking about your healing, you'd be like, man, I want to be healed. But just the fact for some of you that I'm talking about money, you're like, "Mm, where's my wallet? I left it in the car this morning, right? Hopefully I left it at home. But yet this is the key that will unlock all the blessings of God in your life financially. Why? Because there's a principle in Scripture, it's in Genesis, that as long as the earth remains, there's seed, time, and harvest. Here's one of the principles about seed. It will produce its own kind. Me and Dara had another human being, not a dog. Right? Right? Why? Because a seed will produce after its own kind. I don't have some half man, half beast child. No, he's all human. I don't plant corn and get wheat. Why? Because a seed reproduces after its own kind. It's just the way it works. And God said, as long as the earth remains, is the earth still here? It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. It's still here. Seed time and harvest. So we need to implement this in our life. And so, you know, in the Bible, there's over 500 verses concerning prayer and nearly 500 verses concerning faith, but more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Does God want you to pray? Sure. Does God want you to live a life of faith? Absolutely. Does God want you to be a generous person? Yes. Why? Because it's an avenue of which we open the door for God to work. I like to, and many of you have heard me say this, that when we tithe, what we're doing is creating some space in our life for God to come and feel. More specifically, when I tithe, that's called a deduction or a debit from my checking account, right? What am I doing? I'm creating some space in my checking account for God to come and feel. Now, it's not for the purpose of me having a big house and a big car and all these things. Blessings are fine. It's about my heart and it's about me saying, God, I want to do more. I want to be more of a blessing. And when my heart's right, God can do some great things. And so how we handle our money reveals much about our priorities, our loyalties, and our affections. If you want to know what's really in your heart, look at your checkbook. What's most important? What do you spend the most money on? Now, I'm not telling you that you need to give more to the church than you do for your mortgage. That's not even scriptural. My mortgage costs more than my tithe. None of your business, but there you go. <laughs> so that's not what I'm saying. It's not, well, but it is a matter of what's first in my life. And I want it to be, when I, whenever I, I want to bring to the Lord what is already His. It's not mine to begin with. The problem is we think it's ours. We think, well, I've earned this money. Really, who gave you the ability? Who gave you the skills? Who gave you the mind? Who gave you the faculties? Who's given you the favor to get the job that you've got? Who's got you in the position that he's got you? Because I can tell you this, and this isn't just even for me in the ministry. This is just me in my life. I can tell you, there are blessings in my life that are crazy. Crazy that God has done. And it has nothing to do with who I am. It has to do with what I do. I hope you hear that. Many people... 
are blessed not because of who they are, but because of what they do. That's the difference. And we have to understand this when we're talking about this. And so, you know, you, obviously, you know, if I was to start describing a greedy person, you would automatically think, well, that's a rich person. Greedy people are rich. How many of you know you can be greedy with a little? Max got a little lesson, lesson yesterday with Aiden, Tim and Aquitia's son. Because Max has had all these toys to himself. Aiden's one. And they're sitting there, I mean, knee to knee, kind of. And all of a sudden, they're... One drop something. I mean, it's like an old Japanese movie. They're grabbing stuff. Well, you know, you can be even more greedy with no money. Why? Because it's... A tithe is not about how much you get paid. It's not at all. It has nothing to do with that. And so here's a truth is that money is actually a test from the Lord. In other words, God's saying, can I really trust you? I need to know. I need to know if I can really trust you. Luke 11 or 16, 11 says this. We're going to go through some scriptures here fairly quick. So you can just watch on the screen. But it says, if you are unworthy or untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? God says, if I can't trust you with the tithe, don't expect to get anything of real value in the kingdom from me. That's a very strong statement. Don't expect to get any of what... Because, say it this way, God thinks absolutely nothing of our money. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But He doesn't need your money. And so, when it comes to what we're talking about, tithing and giving and living a generous life, what are we talking about? God, I want you first and foremost in my life above all else. And I'm going to show you a principle here in a minute that I believe will help you. But it says here, so, but if we can't be faithful or trusted with just money, guess what? Our money is paper. It's a, you know, if you have coin, it's a little bit of alloys that have been mixed together. But you know what? They're not worth anything. They're not worth a penny. So how do you know that? Because if our economy or if our government collapsed tomorrow, guess what? We're all broke. Because money, you're like, oh, well, I've got gold and that's money. Well, the Bible says in the last days you won't even buy a loaf of bread with a bar of gold. I wouldn't be too connected to your money. I'm not saying you shouldn't have savings. I believe in savings, trust me. I didn't believe in savings until I got some and something went wrong. And I said, man, this is great. I've got some money to pay for this. This is awesome. I like this. I'm not stressed out and freaked out. Let's just fix that. I, I can write you a check out of my savings. I'm not telling you we shouldn't have savings. That's not what I'm saying. But money is a test from the Lord. Matthew 6.21 says this. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. See, many people quote that backwards. Wherever my heart is, that's where I'm going to spend my money. That's not true. You're like, well, I don't believe that. Okay, tomorrow morning I want you to go buy some stock in some random company that you've never heard of. And guess what? On Tuesday, you're going to be curious. What did they do? Why? Because your treasure is there. Now your heart's there. I mean, all of a sudden you have an awareness of something that you didn't give a rip about the day before. Why? Because you've got money there. And money matters to us. It does. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you'd be lying if you said that it, money matters to us all. Don't tell me no, because you'll be lying in church and 
That'd be a bad deal. Money matters. Why? Because we do need some finances. Man, I don't know about you, but food costs money. Gas costs money. It's the world system that we live in. And so, yes, I can operate in that system. Or let me say this way. I can function in that system, but I'm not part of that system. But I get to function in it. And when people say, well, why are you so blessed? Oh, you think it's because I got money. (laughs) No, it's not because I got money. It's because I've trusted in the Lord and I've honored the Lord. And because I've honored Him, now you see that I got money. And you think it's something that I did. That's cute. That's real cute. No, it was the Lord. And so it says here that our heart will follow our treasure. That's why tithing represents a test for every Christian. Every believer. This is a test that we have to pass. If we truly want to be trusted by God with great things. The Bible is very clear. If you're faithful in what is least or least important... You'll also, God will make you ruler over much. If money's the goal of your giving, then you're missing it. There's nothing wrong with money. I like it. There's nothing wrong with it. But if money is the ultimate goal of your giving, then you've missed it. Why? Because the currency of heaven is people. The true riches of heaven are people. So God says, hey, if, you, if I can't trust you to tithe, just a little bit of your... If, if you can't tithe, I'm not going to send anybody in your life for you to speak into and to help disciple. And that's what matters. People matter to God. And so, I mean, that's, you know, but that's true. That we as believers need to recognize our ability to even win people to Christ. You may say, man, I've been witnessing to folks and witnessing to folks and witnessing, and nobody ever gets saved. Let me ask you, are you a tither? Because God won't trust you with them to actually not just get them saved, but to disciple them and see them grow if he can't trust you with your money. So, i got to move on before I get into something there. See, here's the truth. If you honestly want to have more of a heart towards God, you've got to begin sowing your money into the kingdom first. Like, man, I, I see people that love God. And man, I want to be like that. Start giving. Why? Because your heart will follow where your treasure is. Man, I, I want to be excited about my church the way I see other people excited about their church. Start giving. Because your heart will follow your treasure. It's, it, it, this is, I mean, I would say it, this is a Newton. Now, this is, let me just remind you, this is New Testament. This is Jesus talking. That, that's who's saying this. And so if we want even our desire, and you're like, man, I want, to be, I want to be more passionate about the kingdom of God. Start investing your money there. Start putting it there. Why? Because your heart, your desires, your affections will follow The tithe is ultimately a heart test for the believer. Let me ask you a question. Should I believe you when you tell me that you love me if you treat my wife and my son terribly? If you say, man, I love you so much. Man, you're such a blessing in my life. I'm so happy that God sent you here to be my pastor. And that's awesome. And then you insult my wife. Do you think I'm going to believe that you really love me? Absolutely not. Why? Because if you loved me, you would love the things that I love. Now, that doesn't mean you have to like every hobby that I like or all these. No, but those things that are real of, of real value. How many of you know hobbies aren't real value? Just kind of say that. Things of real value. How many of you know that God loves his church? 
and we can sing and say, oh, I love God, I love God, I love God, then by, by virtue of what I just told you, you have to love his church. You cannot separate your love for God from your love for his church. Now, we're not just talking about North Point, although in this particular, if this is your church, let me just say, if this is your church, I'm talking about you here, and we'll look at this in a few minutes. If this ain't your church, go find a church that is your church, and you give them your money. Because this is universal. But the Bible, and we're going to look at some things here in a few minutes, but the tithe is a heart test for the believer. And so it's important. And so, of course, no, I'm not going to... um, I'm not going to believe you if that. And, and so let's look at a few more verses. Uh, Leviticus 27.30. This again speaks of, this really speaks of the tithe. Now let me just say this because this is a personal opinion. But I've heard people teach that there's a difference between first fruits and the tithe. Like that the first fruits above the tithe. I, I don't see that in scripture. I see it as the first fruit being the tithe. Now you're free to your interpretation. If you want to give a first fruit on top of your tithe, be my guest. But, scripturally speaking, the first fruit is the tithe. And it's important that we understand it. In Leviticus 27.30, it says this, that one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. God views the tithe as holy. You know, there was, there was an account in Scripture where the children of Israel were going into the promised land, getting ready to go. First battle's Jericho. It's a walled-up city, big deal. They go and they have a crazy battle plan. The walls, the Bible says they just went straight down into the ground. They didn't fall over. It just went, whoo, and they were huge walls. The great victory. Praise God. Well, there was an instruction. Well, let me just tell you this. They go to Ai, which is a little bitty town. Little bitty. They say, man, we just need 3,000 men to go over there. Just send a few guys. We don't even need the good troops. Send those leftovers. Send those reserve guys. Those, those guys that ain't quite there yet. They, they can go take that city. Well, they got their hands, their tails handed to them. Why? Because there was an instruction concerning Jericho that said, all the silver and all the gold are mine first. And he says, don't touch it or you'll be accursed. That's what I mean. Go read it. But what happens? Joshua goes and prays and says, Dear Lord, what have we done? We just took Jericho and it was like this phenomenal, like highlight real moment. And we go to this thing that should have just been, y'all just go take care of that little something. That ain't no big deal. And we got to hand it to us. And God said, somebody has touched what is mine. Why did Jericho matter? Because what did God say? There's ten cities to go conquer. The first one belongs to me. The first one belongs to me. And that was why it mattered. It wasn't about the silver and the gold. Remember, God don't give a rip about your money. He don't need your money. He don't want your money. That's not what tithing is about. It is about our heart and our position towards Him. And so here when the Bible talks about the tithe, it literally means uh, a tenth or a tenth part. It's 10% of your income. Well, is that my net or my gross? You know, we're getting into tax time. I want God to bless my taxes. And the Bible says it's the first. Do you want to pay the government first or do you want to pay God first? Take your pick. I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. But that is the counsel of the word of God. Exodus twenty three nineteen from the Amplified Bible says this. It says the first of the first fruits of your ground. 
you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And he says, uh, you shall not boil a kid into its mother's milk, which is kind of weird, quite honestly. But the first part of this verse says this, the first of your first fruits, the first of your first fruits. It's not just a tenth of our, of our first fruits. It's the first portion. Let me give you a little illustration here. I got this from somebody else. So I got 10 $1 bills. Ten of them, right? Let me ask you two questions. If I've got $10, what's the tithe? Right? So here's the next question. Which of the ten is the tithe? Is it the first one? Is it the last one? Which one of the ten? I mean, is it the first one on the left? Is it the first one on the right? Which one is the tithe? Adam says the one you give to God. Here, here's. <laughs> let me say it this way. That is a good answer, by the way. That's a good answer. Here's the answer. It's the first one that's consumed. It's the first one that's used. The first, like I've got $10, which just ain't even my money, but I have it right now, so it's my money. It's in my possession. I'll say this, I'm responsible for it. Hey, you could say I'm a steward of this money right now. This belongs to the church. So this isn't my money, right? Everybody understand? Not my money. I wish they were $100 bills. This would be a greater, better illustration, but we had to pull it from the bookstore, so we don't have lots of cash in the bookstore. I don't know where it came from, actually, but I think that's where it came from. No, this represents the tithe. This, you could say, is God's money. I'm holding God's money. I'm supposed to give back to God... 10% of what he's given me, what he's blessed me with. First. What does that mean? It means when I get paid, the first thing I do is I write a tithe check. I don't pay my bills. I don't go to, out to eat. I don't go put gas in the car. I don't go buy groceries. I say, God, the first of my increase belongs to you. That is truly the tithe. Now, I can just tell you, I do this in my own personal life, so I have no problem telling you this. When I get paid... From anything, anything, the first thing I do is I deposit that check, and when I get home, I write my tithe check. Now, I don't run to the church on Tuesday and say, Lead, I've got my tithe check, i got to get it to you. <laughs> but I also don't wait to write that check either. Why? I mean, even in my budget, I've got two budgets, the first and the 15th, because typically that's where bills get paid. The first thing says tithes and offerings. Like, well, you sound kind of legalistic about this. No, I, I give value to it, and I want to honor it, and I want to do and be in obedience to the Word of God. Why? Because when I do things God's way, there's blessing. I don't get to tell God the way it works. I have to be obedient to God. So it's not just a tenth of my first fruit. It's the first. The tithe is the one that's used first, spent or given. The first money that you spend represents your first fruits. So you could be driving a car that's your first fruits. You could be eating food that's your first fruits. And yet God says here that the first fruits, that we are to bring them into the house of the Lord. Where's the house of the Lord today? It is His church. We are to bring a tenth of our increase to the house of the Lord. God didn't just say, well, give it to whoever you want. He says, take it to the place you're fed. Take it to the place that I have led you. 
He says, so, and so when you get paid, your tithe check ought to be first. Pastor Robert Morris, we did this um, book a while back called The Blessed Life on Wednesday nights. And this was a statement out of his book is that God doesn't need you to give, but you need to be blessed. Again, God doesn't need your money, but how many of you need to be blessed? Amen. If you don't want to be blessed, you don't even have to respond. You don't even got to act like you're happy right now. But if you need to be blessed, you could at least nod your head a little bit. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. Why? Because I want to be a greater blessing. A greater blessing. I don't just want more for me. No, I want to give more. I want to be more of a blessing. I, I want to say, God, man, I've been faithful with, what is, with that which is not important. I've been very faithful with this. And because I've been faithful with this, you're going to give me kingdom resources that are of real value. Because I understand. If I had a lighter, I could throw it up in flames and go to jail for it. But in case you don't know, it's illegal to burn money. Why? Because that's the value of it. It's just ink on a paper. That's all this is. But to the Lord, Leviticus says that it's holy before the Lord. There are so many blessings that go along with tithing, but it's the principle of putting God first and the principle of faith that initiates the blessings. To truly tithe, it's going to require faith. Well, I don't have enough to tithe. You probably never will. But I can just tell you this. Since I've been tithing, which I've now faithfully been tithing for nearly 20 years, Faithfully. Not saying I ain't never missed her, but like, oh, I forgot to. First John 1 9. If you sin, if you, if you make a misstep, what do you do? Go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm going to give. Yeah. You're not going to be angry. Again, it, this is a heart thing. This is not law. This is not legalism. But there are many blessings that come along with tithing, but it requires faith. See, here's the truth is that God never asks us for anything that he doesn't already have something better in store for us. God wouldn't ask you for your tithe if he didn't have something better. And we think, well, God just wants my stuff. No, God wants something better for you than what you have today. But he's not going to give it without faith. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Very familiar passage of scripture, but there's a part here I want to pull out. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Should God or should people cheat God? Other translations would say, Should people rob God? Yet you have cheated me. And it says, What do you, or it says, But you ask, Well, what do you mean? How have we ever cheated you? It says, You have cheated me, and the tithes and the offerings due unto me. God says, The tithe is mine, and you've stole it. That makes you a thief. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that on Sunday morning. I thought I was supposed to come to church to be encouraged. You are. And there are times that I come to encourage you and there are times that I come to challenge you. Sometimes without challenge, there's no growth. And if we're going to grow, sometimes we've got to be challenged. Why? The proverb says that iron sharpens iron. If you want to be sharper, sometimes it's tough love. He goes on in verse 9 and he says, Because you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings, he says, You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, into the house of God, so that there will be enough food in my temple. He says, If you do, says the Lord God Almighty, if you will what? If you'll bring all the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse, into the temple of God, this is what I, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, Try me, put me to the test. 
Try me and put me to the test. He says, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. He says, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. In other words, God says, hey, the best insurance policy in the world is the tithe. I don't know about you. I hate paying for insurance. I can't stand it. Pay it on your cars. You pay it on your house. And I'm like, for what? But I've had a couple instances in my life that I needed insurance. Some jerk pulled out and slammed it inside of one of my cars. Totally, totally. I call him a jerk just because he ruined my truck. He totaled it. Totaled it. And you know what happened? A couple days later, they sent me a nice check for like thousands of dollars more than I'd paid for that truck. All of a sudden, I said, insurance ain't such a bad idea. I kind of I see why we need insurance. And yet, God has an insurance policy that we can participate in. And he says, when you tithe, I will rebuke. I will protect. I will watch over your life. Ain't no insurance company in the world that can pay as faithfully as God. Ever. You say, well, that's Old Testament. I'm not under the law. Verse 6 of the same chapter. I am the Lord and I do not change. You're like, well, the Lord changes mine. We have Old Testament, New Testament then you're about this deep spiritually because you don't realize everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. So everything that God did in the Old Testament, He didn't do away with it. No, Jesus said, I came not to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And again, you can go back before Moses and the law. Abraham tithed. Adam and Eve had a form of a tithe. You're like, well, how? The knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You can have everything in the garden, but don't touch that tree. Well, technically, don't eat that tree. Eve said, well, we're not supposed to touch it. That's not what God said. God says you can't eat of it. There was a tithe in the garden. Cain and Abel. Why was one offering accepted and the other not? Because it says that Cain, in the process of time, in other words, when he was ready, brought an offering to the Lord. Cain, it says, out of his first fruits, he brought it to the Lord. And the Lord accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Why? Because when Cain got good and ready, he brought his offering. And God said, I'm not going to accept that. The first murder recorded in human history was based off really the tithe. So that was even, now that was a long time before Moses ever came with the law. So it predates and it postdates. Jesus told the Pharisees, hey, you, you're. You guys are so tight. You tithe to the, just the, the ounce, the, just the littlest amount of all your spices and your herbs. And he says, which you should do. But you've ignored the weightier, more important matters of the law, which are justice, mercy. Right? I mean, familiar with that verse. Jesus himself in the New Testament. This you should do. It really wasn't a question. This you should do. So tithing really is giving our first to God. Now I want to shift gears a little bit here because in Malachi it actually, here in verse, um, let's see here, where was it? The second part of verse 8, he says, you've cheated me in tithes and offerings. What's an offering? It's over and above the tithe. You could argue and and, and. you can say what you want about this, but I, for the sake of communication, you could argue that you're truly not giving what's yours until after the tithe. 
Why? Because that first 10%, remember we said earlier, belongs to the Lord. It never belonged to you in the first place. Now, you can keep it and you can spend it, but you're spending somebody else's money. That's not yours. And so when we move from 10% to 11%, I'm going to start giving. And look, if you just tithe, praise God. You know what? There's going to be blessings. But the Bible says that there are different types of seed. Some produce 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Well, how do I get to that 30, 60, and 100? You've got to start giving. It's in offerings. It's above and over-the-top giving that all of a sudden God says, Oh, they're not just scraping by here. They're not just doing the minimal. They're actually saying, I'm going to take it a step further. And I'm going to do more than I have to. All of a sudden, God kind of perks up. Now, I know some of you are already kind of in your mind going, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. How many times have I taught on this in over a year? This is the first. Now, I always give you a thought every service. Why? Because I want your faith to be activated. And I want you to grow in this. Yes. This is a principle. I, would, I mean, am I preaching this any differently than I would about healing? No, I'm passionate about healing too. I'm passionate about peace. I'm passionate about joy. I'm passionate about having a living, breathing relationship with God. And I preach them the same way. Why? Because this is still part of the whole counsel of Scripture. And yet we can even go above and over the top in our giving. Philippians 4 verse 15 says this. It says, you Philippians know you were the only ones who gave financial help to me when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. He says, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. They went above and beyond. It says, I didn't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness or for your giving. I want a reward for you. And if I want you healed, then I should want you blessed. If I want you to have a happy marriage, then I should want you to be financially secure. Well, how else am I going to do that without the Word of God? I can't. That's why I have to teach this. And you can put the brakes on me and be like, man, I don't know about all this. I told you, I'm only scratching the surface. Trust me. I could have taught all month on this alone. And would have been perfectly in order. But I don't want to. Why? Because everybody's going to be like, you're that guy that's after my money. So I'm limited to one service. It goes on here in verse 18. It says, at this moment I have all that I need. And I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me from Aphrodite. He says, they are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me, will supply all of your needs from his riches and glory, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. My God, and a lot of people quote that, my God shall supply. Well, if you're going to get what the Philippians did, you need to do what they did. What did they do? They sent offerings once and again. It was part of their life. Paul here mentions the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, About this specific church. He says, now I want uh, you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. 
through the churches in Macedonia. So we just looked where Paul was with the Philippian church. And he says, hey, I'm getting ready to go. Y'all help me get to the Macedonian church. It says, they were being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. And they also are also filled with abundant joy. You ever met happy poor people? It says that they're being tested by many troubles and they're very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. How do poor people be generous? That seems like they fight each other. How does that work? Verse 3 says, For I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far beyond. And they did it out of their own free will. They did it because they wanted to. Some of the most truly generous people I've ever met were in some of the poorest circumstances I've ever seen in my life. If you've never been outside of America, I mean, I've been in some slums where craziness, but some of the most generous people I've ever met. It's amazing. You have one ball and 30 kids are playing with it and not one kid fights over it. They have no concept of mine. Why? Because they don't own anything. And they'll sit there and play with that ball all day. And they don't have a, get away from my ball. Don't touch my ball. No, that's a community ball and they know it. Everybody gets to play with it. It's just the way it is. Verse 4, it says, They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the church in Jerusalem. They begged us to give. One thing that I can just tell you, I will never, ever beg you to give. We will shut the doors to this church before I would ever do that. Hands down. Why? Because this is God's church. It's not my church. It's not my responsibility. This is, his, this is his idea. But we do have a part as believers that we can do. I love the way that verse 4 says that. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. When we give, it's not a burden, it's a privilege. If it's a burden, this is what I would encourage you to do. Get your heart right before the Lord. It's, it's a privilege. Why? Because I get to be involved with what God is doing in His kingdom. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. He wants to use us. He wants us to be involved. Why? Because when we get involved with Him, we get blessed in the process. He doesn't need us, but He does want us. And when I honor the Lord with my tithe, with my, the first of my offerings, God can do great things. In verse 5, he continues and says, They even did more than we had hoped, for th- their first action was to give themselves to the Lord first. We've been talking about that. Give yourself to the Lord. I talked about that last week. Seek the Lord. You give to the Lord first and to us, just as God wanted them to do. The second part of verse 11 in the same chapter in 2 Corinthians 8 says this, That give in proportion to what you have. Verse 12. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. God's never going to ask you to give what you can't. Or what you don't have. God's not going to say, I want you to give away your neighbor's house. Why? It's not your house. It'd be easy to give away your neighbor's house though, wouldn't it? Now go over there. Good morning, how are you? Hey, the Lord spoke to me. I'm supposed to give your house away. Wham! 
Slam the door in your face. Why? Because it's not your house to give away. Right? No, God will always meet you exactly where you're at. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just this next verse. So this is really all in context. If you go read chapter 8 and chapter 9, it's all the same conversation, if you will. He says this in verse 5. The Apostle Paul writes, because he's talking about this offering that they've promised. That's really the context. And so he says, So I thought I should send some brothers ahead of me to make sure that the gift that you promised is ready. He says, I want you to give it, uh, give, be a willing gift, or I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Verse 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. He says, You must decide in your heart. You determine what you give. Not me. You determine it. You must decide in your own heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I hope you don't sense pressure. You might feel some conviction this morning. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not pressuring you to give. That's why I'm not taking up an offering before we leave. That's why I actually changed my mind as I was standing up here in worship because I don't want anybody going, he was just working me for some money. I'll tell you what. You can just take me up on this challenge if you want. If you're offended by what I've shared this morning, keep your money. Why? Because I'm going to give and I will be blessed. And our church will be blessed. Let me just make a real bold statement. Let me just step out on a limb. If you won't give, God will send people who will. Now, I love you. Please hear my heart. If you won't honor the Lord in this area, He will send people who will. It doesn't mean that you're, we're going to kick you out and you're not going to be well. That's not what I'm saying. This, but remember, I told you a few minutes ago, this is God's church. He will provide for His church. The question is, will we be blessed in the process? That's, that's our choice. That's our decision. Will we be blessed? Keep going here. 2 Corinthians 9. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In the Amplified Bible, I love the way it says this. He says, for God loves, he takes pleasure in and prizes above all other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. God's not willing to do without you. When you're a tither, God says, if I'm doing anything, I want you involved. That's pretty awesome. It goes on in verse 8 and it says, And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will, uh, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. When we give, when we give with a right heart, God says, I'm not just going to not do without you, but I'm going to generously provide all that you need. And then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over. Plenty left over. Plenty left over. See, this is a lifestyle. It starts here. It starts with the tithe. That's the, really the first step, and that takes faith. Your tithe doesn't go to another ministry. It doesn't go to somebody you watch on TV. It doesn't go to somebody you listen on the radio. You're like, why do you say that? Because the Bible says you've got to bring it to the house of God. If this is your church, this is your house. This is where it comes. Now, you can give to ministries. I mean, we, we support Pastor Paul, or Brother Paul Trokel. We support him every month. We give to him. 
That's an offering. That's not, you know, I mean, that's an offering that we do as a church. That's above and beyond. Another uh, version here of uh, verse 8 is God, is it, well, let me see if I can find it real quick for you. I don't want to. in this translation anyhow one of my translations it said this is that when we would give is that God would be able to make all grace abound to us all grace not some not just in the area of giving no when we give God is able to make all grace abound towards us so let me give you a couple things real quick before I know I'm keeping you a little bit but this is so I don't have to preach on this next week we can just do it one Sunday and we can be done with it until I receive the offering next week. Good thing it's only a couple minutes. Surely you can get through a couple minutes of it. But No, so we tithe. Let me give you a couple of examples. These are areas that you could actually give even here in the church that are above and beyond your tithe. Okay? Because some people don't know. They're like, well, I don't know what, what I can give to. Here's a couple of them. You can give to our kids' ministry. You're right, kids on the envelope. You can give to our youth ministry. We've got a fundraiser coming up. Let me just be honest with you. If everybody in every church tithe, we would never have to have a special offering. Now, our church here has a pretty high percentage. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you it's pretty high. But part of that is because of the type of church we are. Because we teach about tithing. And so many of our people give. But there's a lot of churches. You know what the, you know what the percentage of Christians who tithe in America is? 1.7%. Or, I'm sorry, no, that's not the percentage they give. They give, like, as a whole, compared to what Christians make in America, they give 1.7% of their income. They give a fifth of, less than a fifth of the tithe that the Lord's asking. In other nations, it's 1.8%. Poor nations actually give, are more generous than Americans. So, you can give to kids, you can give to the youth ministry, you can give to missions. What a concept. We support missionaries, and you know what? I'd love to support more. Why? Because I believe in missions. Now I believe in our backyard. I believe, and, and even when we do things, I mean, we've got the marriage conference. You could give towards the marriage conference. Because you know what? It's not free. But we're not charging people to come. Why? Because I didn't want people to say, well, I can't come because I don't have the money. That's why it says on there, suggested donation. In other words, if you can, you can help us out. If not, no problem. There's no pressure. But that's an area that, hey, I want my marriage better. So you know what? Seed produces like I'm going to sow some money into the marriage conference why because I want my marriage better I'm not buying anything from God I'm sowing a seed that will produce a harvest though I'm not buying we have our doors you have an opportunity to give there there's ministries outside of even our church look there's a lot of things in my heart to do I want to minister to our community but guess what it's going to require some cash to do it I don't want to be the best church in town that nobody knows it's not my goal to be the best church my goal is to be the church that helps the most that blesses the most that goes to where people are not waiting to say well when y'all gonna walk in our doors no we want to go to them and trust me I, I, I have things in my heart some of it I've been sitting on for over a year just praying just praying just saying, Lord, in your time. Lord, in your time. Lord, in your time. So we don't, we don't lack for things to do in any way. We 
and you can give to ministries outside of our church. I'm not telling you that all of your giving should be here. It should be a portion, though. Now, I want to I want to communicate something to you quickly. This is something the Lord's been stirring in my heart uh, that I really and you can just you can begin praying with me, but you can. Uh, this is another area. You know, we owe a little bit of money left on this building. It's not actually on the building; it's on the remodel. Currently, we owe about eighteen thousand dollars on it. And, uh, you know, and so I've been praying about this for a while. When I first came here, one of the things I said was, my, pro- my first priority is to get us out of debt. Why? Because this building will not contain us. I hope you hear that. This building will not contain us. You're like, well, I see some empty seats. That's great. Don't get used to it. This building will not contain us. I'm already praying for provision for the next. But guess what? God won't ever open the door for the next until this is taken care of. It's biblical order. And so we just paid a mortgage. We may actually owe less than 18. I don't know what it is. I think it is less now. I think it's like 15. It's about 15. Something like that. Somewhere in that general ballpark. If we just pay our mortgages through July, we'll owe right at around $10,000. Here's my goal and this is what I'm praying for. Is that by July we're going to have everything paid for. Six months. You're like, well, that's stupid. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I appreciate it. You're like, well, I don't have $10,000. I'm not asking you to give $10,000. What I'm asking you to do is just say, Lord, do you want me to do something? And look, and I'm just maybe naive enough to believe that God could send somebody driving by here. It says, hey, I want to help you out. Somebody's writing us up to a third, almost a $1,400 check for our front doors. Why can't somebody drive by and just say, hey, I don't know who you are, but the Lord told me to give you this. Here's $10,000 check. Why? Because what does Luke 6.38 say? Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running. Shall men give unto you. Well, our church gives. And I stand upon that principle. We sow. We're not here for us. We're here for our community. Every time that we do something, the marriage conference, fall fest, whatever it may be, what are we doing? We're sowing seeds into our community. Why? Because we're giving and people will give. So you're like, well, I, don't, I, I can't give, man. You're talking about tithing. I can't tithe, much less do anything. Else. Great, pray. Ask God to provide. And I'm going to be sharing some more here in a few weeks about some things that the Lord's stirring in my heart that I believe we're supposed to be, you know, I challenged you a couple weeks ago. You need to find out what God's vision is for your life this year. Well, I've been doing that for the church. <laughs> And there's things that are in my heart that have even been in my heart for a little while that I've been praying about saying, Lord, is this the year? Is this the time? And, and so I'll be sharing some of that. But at the first of the year, I felt like this was one of the things that I really wanted to communicate with you. It's something that I've been praying about for months. Just putting it before the Lord. And the Lord may tell you, hey, I want you to sow $20 out of every paycheck between now and then. You're like, well, what's that going to do? Say you get paid twice a month. In six months, it's 240 bucks, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I think it's $240. But you can't write a $240 check today. But you could do it over six months. And that's the way giving works. And you say, well, you're just working me for money this morning, aren't you? <laughs> Again, I'll repeat this. Keep your money. I mean that with all sincerity. Please hear my heart. I mean that with all sincerity. Because I desire that you live a blessed life. An over and above abundant blessed life. 
And the key is right here in our finances. It's the principle of first. It's what we've been talking about all month. It's the principle of keeping God first in my life. And that doesn't just play out in my time. I mean, you know, you come into church on Sunday. Guess what? This is the first day of the week. Not Monday. Some of you think, man, I got to get busy and I got to get ready for the first of the week tomorrow. No. Your time, you're giving of a tithe of your time right now. Why? Because you set aside this time and you said, I'm going to come to church. That's a tithe of your time. It's starting with the Lord, the first of your week. That's why it's important to be in church. Because you're keeping God first. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. And I know for some of you this might seem over the top, might seem a little harsh, might seem a little whatever. It's just the word of God. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get you blessed. And I want you blessed. And I want you to experience all the grace of God. And this includes this area of our life.